Greetings and welcome to Flicking and Screaming. I am Jed Sprague, here with my co-host, Evan Fagundis. Hello, hello. And J.T. Chipman. Hey, everyone. That is right, everybody. I am back. He's back. From from paternity (laughs) leave. Thank you guys so much for all the well wishes. Uh, I have been enjoying uh, the joys of uh, new fatherhood um, and spending time uh, with the family, but man, I'm excited to get back with you guys. Honestly, the two episodes, so good, I was a little worried you didn't need me back. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I was like, ooh, I was like, I don't even know if they need me anymore. Um, but I'm excited because we have a big show this week. Flicking and Screaming's first ever Oscars preview pod. So, guys, we got a lot to pack into this episode. How are we feeling? Chip, talk to me, baby. You got your San Francisco shirt on. I love it. I was wondering if you were going to notice that every time I wear this, I think about, I think about you guys and it warms my heart a little bit. Then I think about the giants and I get, my heart gets a little bit less warm, but that's neither, that's neither here nor there. I'm doing great. I love that we are back together. We were making jokes uh, beforehand about the Holy Trinity and it feels like, you know, to be a little bit sacrilegious, it feels like, Hey, the three of us are back together. You know, uh, the three musketeers, that's, that's less heretical. I'm not going to get burned at the stake for saying that it really does feel good to be back uh, with both of you guys, and to talk about the movies and to talk about the, the fucking Oscars. We're back, baby. It's finally time. The Academy Awards. A tradition unlike any other. <laughs> the amount of references contained in that, like, two-minute monologue was <laughs> unbelievable. I'm on um, fire. He's yeah. drinking a Red Bull. That, I, he's drinking a Red Bull. He's getting fired up. Yeah. Chip's really got his wings. But I... I I couldn't be more excited uh, myself. We're we're all three back. Um, I, I think we're we're really excited to talk about this one, and I think we've been waiting a long time because lots of our initial conversations, I feel like, have revolved around the Oscars when you go back to last year and even the year before a little bit um, and just kind of how we all started talking movies. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. It does feel like without, you know, jinxing anything – this is kind of getting back to normal, getting into like a real award season, even though it's pushed back pretty late. We just had the masters as Chip mentioned. Um, well, sort of referenced a minute ago, um, but there's a lot that's happening right now that kind of makes it feel like we're on the path back to normalcy and complaining about Oscar nominations is like, is, is right in that normal zone. I know. I love it. I'm so excited. Like you said, we've talked about the Oscars a lot. I think, you know, when we started, when this was nothing more than just like a, a text thread, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> of us like chatting about movies. And I think there are even people that love movies that don't necessarily like love the Oscars. It is like its own like thing, right? Like loving the awards part of, of movies. And so I have to ask for any of our listeners that are in that category, Evan, why should anybody give a flying fuck about the Oscars? That's a great question, and I'm not exactly sure why. I think, if anything, it makes a <laughs> – I mean, what I mean by that is that if you don't want anything to do with it, I completely understand, and I don't think you're in the wrong. But it does – for somebody like myself who watches so many movies and actually cares about what choices actors make and why they do different movies, it kind of, like, justifies me caring about all this stuff a little bit. Not to say that they even get it right, you know, half the time, or or they don't leave people out, or there aren't um, inherent biases in the way they nominate and give out these awards. But there's just something about the fact that they have these awards, and it seems like the people who make the movies themselves care about them to an extent that 
justifies me spending so much time uh, not only in watching these movies, but trying to understand the thought behind the making of them, why actors make certain choices, why directors do certain things, um, and kind of tying it all together into one night where I watch a bunch of famous people on TV. I, I want to say, I think you said a lot of great things there about why you should care, but I think the, the last thing you said just in passing is why we should care. It's just you get one night to see a bunch of famous people in the same room and it's very self-congratulatory. But isn't that like what mo- like what we love about movies, movie stars and like the enigma that is like all these these beautiful, you know, actors and um and and artists and this is just like the culmination of that community and I I think for me that's what I love about it. Chip, what do you think? I completely agree. Like, this is just a vain night, right? This is just movie stars celebrating other movie stars. You know, you can be, uh, uh, you know, gross about that if you want, but it's it's just fun. Like, you get to see really attractive people who are really good at what they do, for the most part, really talented people, and they get to talk about how talented each other are. And, you know, it's it's competitive, too. We're all sports people. We like the, the thrill of it all, the idea of, you know, uh, it's, it's like a bit... It's a bit speculative. There's intrigue. There's like inside information. Uh, there's there's gambling on the Oscars. You know, like this this appeals to like all my kind of base. You know, the id, right? This is the desires of the id to see all these hot people and then just like, you know, kind of imagine yourself up there, but also just see how they interact in space. Like, this isn't real life. You know, how how how, how real are the Oscars? How fake are the Oscars? you know, whatever. It's, it's very polished. It's very, uh, much a performance in and of itself, but you almost think that it's real for a second, you know, when you see like, we're, we're, there's going to be like shots of a table with like seven celebrities sitting around it, sharing a, a bottle of wine or something like that, because they're going to be at the theater as well. That's, you know, the important point about this year's Oscars. We are back. There's no zoom acceptance speeches. There is no, uh, remote, call-ins you are here you are live at i don't know what theater it's going to be at or what uh, what stage but everyone's going to be there and it's gonna like you said another bit of return to normalcy the only thing that i'll miss about zoom uh, award shows is david fincher taking shots every time he didn't win an award and Mm -hmm. i hope that he continues that tradition and we just see a shot of him at his table with like 30 shot glasses just like emptied (laughs) i think that would be truly incredible actually maybe not that many i don't know if he's gonna you know drink if he wins i hope he wins uh, a couple things because we do love david fincher okay so we've we've touched on why we should care about the oscars i think we gotta you know jump into it but do we want to touch a little bit i mean at all about this year's nominees like as a whole on a grander scale because but one of the things about the oscars one of the reasons people you know have had issues with the oscars in the past is um, a lack of diversity um, amongst its uh, nominees and what films they're being recognized. A lot of white men in Hollywood, uh, and we're sitting here as as three white men, uh, and probably, like we always say, not the best people to discuss uh, this subject, but we are, you know, I think jointly kind of in the camp of like, hey, there definitely has not been enough uh, diversity and inclusion amongst these nominees, but last couple of years things have been getting a little bit better, save for one massive, massive mistake. <laughs> um, and this year's nominees, correct me if I'm wrong, it it feels like we're like making a little bit of progress, slowly but surely. 
right? Yeah, there's some progress being made. It's tricky because, you know, at what point is it just for show? Is it just, you know, playing the game of making, you know, identity politics, making it look like, hey, we care versus what, you know, the voting body or Hollywood actually stands for. But there's no denying that we do need more representation. You know, here you can hear it from our diversity panel right here of, of the three of us that we need more representation. And that's not a bad thing at all. Is it enough? No, there's a lot more work that needs to be done on a million different fronts in Hollywood and with our awards shows. But the selection this year, the, the people that we're seeing being celebrated, there are positive trends. At the very least, there are uh, uh, some positive trends we can see with the Oscars, even more so than some other awards shows, both within movies and outside of movies. I think the Oscars are in a better trajectory than even the Grammys, for example. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Evan, an- anything to add on top of that? Um, no, I agree. It's definitely getting better and better. And, and Chip, like you said, it, it's very hard to determine. And, um, you know, I don't think they deserve necessarily the benefit of the doubt as far as whether they're kind of pandering a little bit or whether this is like concrete change that's happening. But one thing that's that's good to see is just that more and more women, more and more people of color seem to be getting opportunities, at least to make movies. Um, and I think the Oscars are at least just starting to reflect that the best movies being made nowadays, lots of times are made by those groups of people. So yeah, they should be getting nominated. They should be getting recognized. So hopefully those things go kind of hand in hand and the more and more, um, you know, there's a diversity in, um, like the, the creators themselves that, that are given opportunities in Hollywood, the more and more that diversity will show up in the Oscars and, and kind of award season. So I'd love to see, you know, kind of both happening at the same time. Definitely. And I, I, it seems like they're trying to make an effort with their membership as well. Yeah, um, that's huge. In, that's a big part. In, of which it. is a huge part because yeah. it's impossible to like have an accurate representation with the nominees, with the people, if it's just a bunch of white guys nominating and voting on all this. So I think, you know, what they've done, those steps they've made, that is what they should be. You know, I don't, <laughs> don't want to say celebrated for because you're making up for a lot of uh, checkered past, but um it seems like we're moving in the, in the right direction, which is wonderful to see. Um, more movies, um, you know, from, you know, people of diverse backgrounds. I can safely say, like, my favorite movies I've seen over the last, you know, couple of years have all been, you know, from people of backgrounds that are not my own, uh, by far and away, and it's not even close. So, super excited about that. Are you guys ready to dive into picks? Um, as ready as I can be (laughs) things are going to get a little wild so I want to explain to listeners how it's going to go we obviously aren't going to go through every single category Um, we will like I think in the future I would love to do like a four hour Oscars pod where we break down every single category I think it would be wonderful but I we're not doing that today so we've decided to focus on these categories best supporting actress and actor Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, Best Actress and Actor in Leading Role, and Best Picture. We are going to go through these. We're each going to give a head pick, who we think is going to win, and a heart pick, who we want to win. And we will then collectively mention any snubs that we thought should have been recognized. Um, With that being said, um, I think that all makes sense. Let's get into it, guys. Uh, Let's start out with the nominees for actress in a supporting role. So this year, um, we have Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, 
I'm not going to say the rest of the title. <laughs> uh, we have Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, we have Olivia Coleman for The Father. We have Amanda Seyfried for Mank. And we have Yug Jung Yoon. Please forgive my pronunciation um, of any um, names that are um, from different cultures. I'm trying my best. Uh, that was good, though. I think that was I think that was correct. I did my little research. I think that was good. Awesome. Um, so, Chip, I'm going to kick it off to you. Uh, give me your head pick. Give me your heart pick. Perfect. Uh, head pick, I'll go with uh, Yunyo Zhang. I went into Minari really excited about what I'd seen from her in the trailer. Thought she was just this super sassy ball of energy. And that's where the film starts is with uh, this kind of feisty and, and fun performance. And ultimately, it becomes something uh, a lot darker and something that's uh, really emotionally and physically tricky to portray after she uh, kind of suffers a stroke and, you know, the burdens that that brings to the family. But I think she is wonderful in this. I think that she is uh, the front runner. I think she deserves to win. My heart pick is going to be Amanda Seyfried in Mank. I fucking loved Mank so much. Like, looking back on our top five, I almost wonder, of, of Lester, I almost wonder if I should have tried to find a spot for it somewhere. Um, I think that the environment, like, I got to see this in a theater at a screening, one of the only movies in 2020 where that happened. And that really helped with the experience. It was very trans, I was really transported to that time. Like, just looking at Amanda Seyfried's career, the people she chooses to work with, the script she takes, like, she is on a fucking tear. And her career as a whole, it's it's one of the best arcs we've seen, I think, from a child star, too, particularly. Um, she's got, you know, some of that comes down to your support system and the people you got around you. She's been, you know, guided really well and, you know, really, really made a star of herself uh, on her own, on her own rights, on her own accord. And I think Mank might be one of her best performances yet. I thought it was... Uh, a real delight in something so different for a Fincher film. Uh, so this, that's, that's my heart pick for Best Supporting Actress. Awesome. Uh, Evan, what about you? So I was going back and forth, um, and, and there's going to be a definite theme for, for some of my picks here. Um, but both for heart and head, I went with Amanda Seyfried, actually. Yeah. I, I was going back and forth. So she was definitely going to be my heart pick. I, I've just really enjoyed her as a performer. I'm um, going back. I know we've talked a lot about first reformed. I thought she was amazing in first reformed and just never quite got the due that she, uh, that she needed from that role. Um, and, and even from her earlier work, her more lighthearted stuff, it's just really fun. And I thought she brought that same exact thing to this movie that kind of needed that jolt of energy. There are times that this movie gets so deep into its own mood. It's a very good movie, but it can get so deep into its own mood. And it's, um, it's like aesthetic almost that sometimes you can lose the character feel a little bit. And she just absolutely blasts through that, um, delivers kind of really quirky, fast, um, interesting dialogue in a very clear way like it, it's funny she's talking in a way it's clear that she's doing like period um acting but it still feels so fresh and new i don't know it's kind of hard to explain um but she was definitely going to be my heart pick and then head i don't know she was the front runner kind of early on it seemed it's kind of wavered back and forth um but i'm thinking they're going to get mank a couple wins here and there and this might be sure. one of those right awesome uh funnily enough my head pick was Amanda Seyfried as well. I agree, Evan. I think this is where they're going to choose to uh, reward, you know, award Mank. Right. Uh, and my heart pick uh, was Yeo Jung Yoon. I mm -hmm. love that performance. I mean, yeah. it, there's something about, like, I think she reminds me so much of my own grandma as well. Mm. I have a really wow. kind of, you know, like, fun and, and uh, you know, sassy grandma. And so 
Uh, I, I that performance meant a lot. Um, and I think just at the age of 73, given a performance like that, and especially Chip, what you said physically after the stroke, that's really what struck me. Like it's really incredible, and the emotion she's able to portray on her face in those those final scenes, um, you know, with the fire and everything. Uh, love the performance, absolutely love. So those are my picks. Any snubs in this category, guys? That we we think. Uh, Dominic Fishback in Judas and the Black Messiah was really good. Yeah. Um, that's the only one that really, off the top of my head, I can think of. Okay. Get her in there for Glenn. <laughs> Sorry, Glenn. Man. Yeah, seriously. What a, f- yeah. All right. Is she going to win this? She might win this award. I, uh, th- I didn't want to make it my head pick, but if she wins, then I'm like, I, that, mo- that, that movie shouldn't exist. Let's just move on. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Sure. Moving on to act nominees for actor in a supporting role. We have Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami, Paul Rassi uh, in The Sound of Metal, and Leigh Keith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, I'll kick it off. Um, Man, my head pick is Daniel Kaluuya uh, because I think he's definitely going to win, even though Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think he should be considered the the supporting actor in this movie sure but but my heart pick is actually lakeith i i love lakeith's performance in this um we are lakeith stands i think we can you know we can put that out there that's fair. i think what he i think what he's doing uh, while daniel kaluuya is giving in an absolutely absurdly good performance with so much passion and emotion i think what what lakeith stanfield's doing uh much more subtly um in conjunction with that uh is really what stole my heart uh, from Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Evan, what about you? So, Hart, uh, I have Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, I, he he might be my favorite performer right now. I, I don't know. I've been mm. going back and forth a little bit, but wow. um, I, I recently rewatched Get Out, and that might be, like, my favorite performance of the last 10 years. Um, and then rewatching this movie after having seen it a while back, the, he just emanates such a power that almost besides for, like, the plot and the story itself – it seems like it would be hard for him to ever be supporting anybody. It seems like he is leading the charge in any movie that he's in. Um, so there is a little bit of category fraud going on, on here, but he was definitely the performance that in my head I think about. It's like the first one that I think about when I think of, of this uh, round of movies. I couldn't give him my head pick, though, because I'm a little bit afraid of a vote split. I, I'm, mm. I'm always a little bit afraid of So I went Sasha Baron Cohen, and I couldn't even tell you exactly Ugh. why. I, this is why it's a head pick, not a heart pick. I'm not saying I love this performance. I thought it was actually pretty decent in a movie that I overall didn't connect with a ton. But I don't know. It just has a feel to me that that this could be like the Academy's way of being like, hey, Sasha, you had a pretty good year, but this is a little bit more of an acceptable award to be able to give you. I would have liked this if it was for Borat, honestly. <laughs> like, Just give it to him for Borat. I don't need him need it for trial chicago seven but whatever chip what do you got i know what you mean yeah i would uh even though i didn't love bor i like the borat character is, is fun to me but he's not my favorite uh, i would much no, rather no. have his borat character win than yeah exactly chicago that's 7. what i'm saying it's not because i think the borat character should win but it's just i see you know what you I mean. mean uh so my head and heart pick is Kalua as fred hampton um so i mean not to defend the oscars too much but the best actor category uh is a solid lock like maybe the most stone cold lock of the century. So Kalua couldn't have won the award if he were nominated in best actor. 
not to you know defend the <laughs> prestigious body of Academy Award voters that much, but I think that might be what's going on here a little bit. They want to actually have a lane where Kalua can win, and I think he will. Um, I mean, it's downright eerie how close he can match Fred Hampton's voice, his mannerisms, the kind of ups and downs, the the bombastic, really youthful energy. I mean, Fred Hampton was 21 years old when he when he died. He was a kid, and Kalua's not. He's not 21, but he carries that. Uh, wide-eyed rebellious nature uh, through that entire role it's really it's it's both focused and wild but really really wise at the same time and he, he balances that perfectly um, and you know tells the story of uh, of one of the greatest men we've ever seen in, in the uh, 20th century in America so I, I think that Kluwe is my heart and I, I think he takes this one I do think he takes it pretty easily like I would be willing to call this a lock as well for him uh, just as I'll I call agree. the best actor category a lock for a different actor I, I 100% uh, agree with you, Chip. I think this is about as locked in as it gets. I don't, I'm not really worried about the vote split with Lakeith. Um, just because I think, and I, I, this is a little bit, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like based on, you know, some of the other award shows. Is that, that's sure. what you're basing this off? That's kind of yeah. what I've based that off as well. Um, any snubs in this category, guys? Nothing off the top of my head. I, this is not one of the ones that I like immediately thought of for snubs, this category. Mm-hmm. So nothing's jumping out to me right now. Yeah. All right. Me neither. Moving on uh, to Chip's favorite category. Uh, <laughs> best Adapted Screenplay. Um, <laughs> the nominees this year are uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony Hines, Dan Swimmer, Peter Beheim, and a whole mess of other people. There's about like 14 people for Borat subsequent movie film. Uh, Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller for The Father. Chloe Zhao. Uh, for Nomadland, Kemp Powers for One Night in Miami, and Raman Barhani for The White Tiger. Uh, Evan, head heart pick. (laughs) I literally don't have anything written down for either of these in this category. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Heart pick, I'm... Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. So, heart pick, I'm probably going to go with the father that's that's just the movie that i connected to the most as far as the script itself goes um one night in miami i actually enjoyed as a movie but the script itself like I, there were a couple things that uh that kind of got a little jumbled which you know makes sense for a, a story that's kind of that that big um yeah, a, a little forced a, a little bit a little bit um but the father's just such a such a heartfelt story, and I honestly don't even. I'm not sure how many people have even seen the father, and I don't even want to give away too much as far as the plot specifics go. Um, but they're working with two incredible actors, you know, kind of at the center of the screen, and there's just something about it that feels so personal, um, which is kind of what lots of these great adapted screenplays can can do when they're adapted from, um, especially like uh, uh, books and, and um, books written about real people and stuff like that uh, as well. And then for head pick, head pick, I'm going to do just, I'm going to say the father as well and just cross off mm-hmm. some of the other ones off the list. I, I was thinking of one and we can talk about it in a bit, um, but I'm just not sure exactly how much of a full on script was there. And I don't know how much that actually plays into it, but I'll go the father for both. Chip, what about you? My heart pick is also the father. Uh, this movie to me is just so special. Like, yeah. like, okay. Yeah. It's another Anthony Hopkins vehicle. So it's going to get nominations. So like I kind of went into it a little bit skeptical I knew that a uh, it was based on a play and it was written by a playwright and I was like okay that doesn't always translate 
to a movie um and you can sometimes tell with how the characters interact in space and some of the tropes but what they do with the hopkins character uh is just so special i mean it's almost like it was written for him i think the play was uh written in 2012 ish and performed and i mean hopkins is just I mean, is it? I don't know if it's a stretch to say he was born to play. It's such a trope to say he was born to play this, you know, at whatever. I mean, he's quite old and he's played so many roles, but uh, I can't help but think maybe it was written with him in mind a little bit. And um, there's a there's a couple of quotes, especially at the end, um, that just uh, left me in tears. To be quite honest, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you see it and when you see when you hear some of those lines, yeah, just uh, pretty much broke me. Um, my head pick is Nomadland. Uh, I think this is. Probably what you were referring to, Evan, when you said there really yeah. wasn't much of a script to go off of. Um, there's a lot of discourse around this movie that we can probably save for later as well. I think this is pretty close to a lock. I think that the Academy really wants to award Chloe Zhao um, for her work there and for some of the, uh, you know, it's, it's adapted from from a novel and there's a lot of real people in the movie delivering kind of real lines, um, mm. different angles you can take on that. Uh, but I think this is going to win. Um. Yeah, I, I'm I'm doubling up on the father too, uh, both head yeah. and heart. I really hope nice. it. I and it's. I don't know if my heart's getting in the way of my head, but this was my favorite in this category, like far mm-hmm. and away. Um, like you said, Chip, there are just I don't want to, but there are some lines in this movie that will tear out your soul, and it's unbelievable performance. So, yeah, that's where I'm going. I'm going head and heart for the father. Any snubs? I can't imagine we have. This. Snubs for adapted screenplay. Zero snubs. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Moving on to uh, writing for best original screenplay. Uh, Nominees are Will Burson and Shaka King uh, for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, It says, but it also says story by Will Burson, Shaka King, Kenny Lucas, and Keith Lucas. So I want to put that. This story is by all those people, but the screenplay was Will Burson and Shaka King. Uh, Minari, written by uh, Lee Isaac Chung, Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell, Sound of Metal, Darius Martyr, Abram Martyr, Story by Darius Martyr, and Derek uh, Cian France, or Chion France, I apologize for that pronunciation, Uh, and then The Trial of the Chicago 7 for our boy, Mr. Put Down the Pen, uh, Aaron (laughs) Aaron Sorkin. I'll, I'll kick us off. Um, I think my head pick is going to be uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm, okay. Mm. And my heart pick is going to be Minari. Mm. Um, yeah. I think the screen, like the the dialogue Obviously, the McMinari is a. That's all. That's all that that movie is, right? It's yeah. just. It's just this beautiful dialogue, um, you know, between you know a family adjusting you know to a new reality, and and I. It's just. It's so beautiful. Um, the the sentiment, the the fun, the laughs. You feel like you're a part of the family through that movie. Um, so that's what I'm. That's what I'm going with. Um, all right, Evan. What do you got? So, um, heart. I'm also going with Minari, and honestly, kind of a kind of a runaway for me. I think, mm-hmm. like you said, so much of what makes this this story amazing the the family, the love, 
grief, uh, community change, all of that comes through not only in the dialogue, which is obviously amazing, but I think so much of um, the greatness in this movie is people reacting to each other and uh, showing how families like interact together. And even when they're not talking, I think the screenplay is putting these actors in such great position to be able to give off these emotions without even sometimes having to tell you exactly what they're thinking or, or how certain things that happen in this movie and in these people's lives affects them. Um, so I just like got so wrapped up in this movie as I was watching it and talk about getting emotional, but I got so wrapped up in it. It just felt like the screenplay was just like becoming a part of my world in a way. Um, and then brain, Oh, or head. I wrote down brain for the head. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, we are we are losing it already with this cat with these categories. Like the screenplay categories are just killing us right now. I I am. This is where I got really depressed for a minute. Wrote something down. <laughs> I so I have trial of the Chicago. Oh Senate. no. Yeah. Um. And, and honestly, it's like. One, people talk a lot. People talk kind of fast. Um, that usually gets the Academy going. It's a, uh, it's a boy Aaron Sorkin gets the, that gets, he gets the, Academy the Academy going. I think there's just a lot here. And ultimately, like I said, I think if I just start doing like, uh, you know, um, trial by elimination, at some point the Academy is going to award this movie. I just refuse to believe that the Academy has moved so far forward that they're not going to give this movie awards. So I have to just keep guessing trial of Chicago seven until, uh, I'm proven wrong. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. I, uh, my head pick is also like heavy sigh before <laughs> writing it down, but I put down promising young woman. I think this is, uh, <laughs> this is like, like the system is pushing this movie and it is pushing this movie hard. Um, they have, they, the, the powers that be have rallied around Emerald Fennell and Carrie Mulligan, defended them against the, the critics and the naysayers and continued to, uh, barrel forward. And I think that, uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna get an award for it. And I think this might not be their their only one, but I think do the we wanna, Fennell, what do we wanna save like the overall like discussion of that movie for a later category? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I kinda I've wanted to dance around it thinking we <laughs> there are several discussions and discourses around some of these movies that we can save. So that's my head pick is Promising Young Woman. And then my heart pick was also Minari. Uh, just a sensational mm. script. I love just the idea and concept of Minari, like the word itself. Like language mm-hmm. and words are very important to the film. It's it's physical. It's real. Like the way that you know uh, uh, Grandma's gonna cuss, or like the passion in Jacob's voice as he's talking about different things. Like it's deeply poetic. It's hard to forget. I love a good autobiographical story, and Lee Isaac Chung is that's what he's doing, at least to an extent. Semi autobiographical story. I love what he brings to the table here. So my heart pick is Minari. Oh, this is spectacular, spectacular film. Unbelievable. Um, Obviously, the biggest snub, I think, in this category is Jack Fincher for Mank. Shocking. Yeah, which it feels weirdly like a middle finger to David Fincher from yeah. the Academy. Is that is that wrong? Because I think David Fincher could have not been nominated for, like, any awards for, you know, or that movie could have not been nominated for any awards. But I think this was the one that, obviously, they're hoping, you know, for the late Jack Fincher to get recognized. And this not getting nominated was extremely shocking to me. It makes no sense to me because even if you're not going to give him the award, like you could push out Sound of Metal, to be honest, for this. Like, and I I like Sound of Metal quite a bit, but the screenplay is not what makes that movie. There's some Mm -hmm. good lines, but like 
the Hollywood loves a good legacy, uh, quote unquote, or this is a posthumous award. And I think that, you know, Hollywood loves doing that. So they, it makes it feel more important and more serious. So it's got to be a beef with Fincher, to be honest. Yeah, that. And I think this was also one of those things where this was like almost the Academy, the, the body voting body getting too self-aware being like, sure, everyone's going to expect us to do this. And so mm-hmm. we're not going to do it. And like okay. people are so self-obsessed, <laughs> I, I'm still gonna watch. Yeah, I, oh, I'm definitely gonna watch. Um, all right, uh, moving on to best director. Uh, this is a really interesting category. I think um, this year the nominees are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, uh, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland and Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. Chip, uh, I mean, I think, it, can we all, do we all have the same head pick? I mean, I think it's like pretty obvious who's going to win. Yeah, it's Chloe right? Zhao. She's, she she yeah. will win for Nomadland. Um, yeah, she will, she will win. So what's everyone's head pick? Chip, tell me your, or sorry, heart pick. So yeah. Tell me your heart pick now. My heart pick is uh, Thomas Vinterberg for another round. I fucking, listen, so... I, I want to just go on a little tangent because I found out something that he he created this thing called a Doma 95 with some of his uh, filmmaker friends. And it's like these principles of filmmaking and they made a bunch of short movies. And these are some of the rules that they have. They have the rules. Camera must be handheld. Shooting must be done on location. You cannot build a prop or a set. You have to go to like if, an, if a particular prop is necessary for the story, a location must be chosen where this prop is to be found. That's a quote from the Wikipedia article. <laughs> the film must not contain superficial action. Murders and weapons must not occur. Genre movies are not acceptable. Temporal and geographical alienation are forbidden, which means the film has to take place in modern times. Like, he is so obsessed with things being real and natural and just, like, completely plain. And there's a bunch more rules that I could go on about, but it's so enrapturing in how real the another round is. Like, obviously, some of the rules are broken. These are... Uh, rules are made to be broken but like it abides so closely to them like when you're in you know Mads Mikkelsen's house or when you're at the uh, like the school that they shoot at is, is a real school it's Thomas Vinterberg's daughter is where she went to school before she passed and the film is dedicated to her but it is I think naturalistic or realistic one of those two you know filmmaking terms or whatever um, I found it to be just so lovely and just such a nice like change of course and breath of fresh air from literally every other movie that Hollywood puts money into um, it nothing is forced with the characters or their circumstances. There's so much uh, uh, compassion and empathy for these really flawed um, and human characters. I think that Vinterberg is just uh, did something really spectacular and unique by doing nothing spectacular or unique at all. Like, does that make sense? <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. This was also my hard pick. Yeah, because this this movie, okay. We say this a lot. This movie fucks. This movie is so fucks. much. It's so much fun, and I am also completely swayed by my deep, intense love for Mads Mikkelsen. Um, but this movie, like it, like everything about the way this is directed, it like I don't know. This feels like the the best case scenario for like your filmmaker friend, like showing you, hey, th- this is a movie I just made, and I mm-hmm. mean that in like the best way i don't know if like that can be interpreted as an insult but it's like you're like your really good friend that's like dude we made a movie check this out yeah. and it, it was just a ton of fun and i don't know i think it asks interesting questions and i don't know i i can't tell if it's a comedy or if it's like a drop i don't know i don't know 
like it makes me feel so many different things and i think that must come down to great directing um and a great vision so thomas Vinterberg, that's my my heart pick as well uh evan what about you oh man you guys have almost swayed me because it was between two people and he was one of them um i know you want to do no. it I'm sticking with it. I'm going David Fincher. David yeah, Fincher yeah. Is, is my heart pick. And I think part of it, you know, it's almost grading against the curve a little bit because I, I watch so much for choices that Fincher is making when I'm watching one of his movies more so than I do when I'm watching almost anyone else's movies. Um, and just the choices in this movie are just so specific. There are so many references in it. I had to go back and rewatch Citizen Kane after because I'd seen it. And then people were talking about all the references that it had inside of it. And I just was not recognizing them at the time. Rewatched, rewatched, and, and was drawing comparisons. And there's just like, at some point he has to be at least for me personally, in my mind, uh, rewarded for um, being so meticulous, but making his movies feel pretty, I'm not going to say effortless, because you watch Mank and it does not feel effortless, um, or look effortless, but it feels very authentic to the, to the time that it's portraying, to the people that it's portraying, whether or not it is like, I don't exactly know. I didn't read a ton into the mechanics of how these specific, um, you know, uh, uh, circumstances went down in real life, but it felt real enough to me. And, and I think that's enough. Um, and this movie looked sounded and, and, and felt very beautiful, um, even on my TV at home. So uh, I'm going David Fincher to, to finally get one in my heart, even though obviously had, uh, Chloe Zhao is running away with this one. Mm-hmm. I, I have, sorry guys, I have one thing to, I going back, did we think that Charles dance was like a hair of a snub for best supporting actor for this movie. He could have been. I thought that, you know, I thought the performance I, I, was spectacular. Spectacular. I love, you know, when people talk in like metaphor and talk in like story and, and allegory to each other. And I think he did a great job of that. Yeah. Okay. I just, that was one thing I like, it hadn't popped into my head right away, but then the more and more I've thought about it, as we've talked about Mank, I was like, maybe, but yeah, probably not he, enough. He might not have had, yeah, he just might not have had enough to do like two more scenes. Um, maybe even one more scene similar to the one when he's walking old man out there, you know, it, it makes yeah. last trip to, um, oh my God, to the castle. Fucks. Like if there's like one more of those, it might've been enough, but it just, it probably wasn't flashy enough, even though you're right in a movie filled with a whole bunch of people doing like, oh, hi mate, you know, like that type of bullshit. <laughs> he's like very much the grounding, the grounding force of <laughs> the movie. Was that a pirate voice? Well, it was. It was like <laughs> I don't know why that's what I went into when I was thinking of. I was thinking of like Charlie Chaplin in my head, you know. But oh, sure, yeah. Oh, it was like it was the mix of like like Mickey Mouse like a ni- and a like pirate a, or something. I don't know. It was like I a nineteen twenties so actor, like acting like a pirate. It was wonderful. Well, that's what I was going for. It's just like I was almost trying to portray an actor back in that day while yeah. trying to portray hey, real okay, people. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah. phenomenal, felt. phenomenal job. Yeah. Oh, God. So good. Um, any snubs in this category, do we think? David Pryor for The Empty Man. Yes. I'm. De- yes, exactly. We've talked about that. Um, yeah, see last week's episode for David Pryor love. Also, Kelly Great. Reichardt for First Cow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yes. 100%. Oh, we totally forgot First Cow. I totally forgot First Cow for screenplay, too. I mean, that, yeah. oh, that yeah, was yeah. one yeah. of the best screenplays I saw all year. Um and I totally forgot to mention that, but yep, and Kelly Reichert for 
for um, director as well. I think that movie is completely made by her direction and and the script's choices. All right, guys, moving on into nominees for uh, Best Actor in a Leading Role. We have Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal. We have Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We have Anthony Hopkins for The Father. We have Gary Oldman for Mank. And we have Steven Yen for Minari. Um, God, this is the easiest head pick and the hardest heart pick. I mean, this is as lock. This is the biggest lock, I think, since um, Heath Ledger posthumously won. Yeah, I mean, that's what Hollywood does. It's it's another reason why the Jack Fincher, <clears throat> excuse me, another reason why the Jack Fincher snub was so surprising. Chadwick Boseman is going to win this award. Um, I'm nervous to see who accepts the award. I'm going to be crying regardless, but like, if his wife, I don't know if his wife is going to accept it for him, some of his co-stars, I wouldn't be surprised if Spike is on stage when the award is given. I mean, I'm whatever happens with it, I'm I I I do trust the Academy to do it right. I'm sure that they're going to be uh you know, talking with him and his with, her, with his family, I should say, and making sure that he's honored properly. So, I'm looking forward to it in a in a, you know, depressed way, I guess, um, cuz he's going to win this award. Yeah, I mean, what a this is this is a great great performance. There's no great. two ways around it. I don't know if this is my favorite performance from from him, but I mean, talk about what an unbelievably special talent that got taken away way too soon, and what he, the amount of work he put out while battling cancer. It's like, yeah, my, and, absolutely mind boggling. Yeah, I mean it's an it's an unbelievable performance, and when you think of the gravity or like the weight of kind of what you're seeing um, and what Chadwick Boseman meant to movies while you're watching it. It, it really just adds something to the performance that I know that's not like why he's going to get the award. He, he deserves the award. Absolutely. It's just something that like personally, why he would easily be my heart pick as well. Just it, it, it um, yeah, it really adds something to, to what would already have been an amazing performance. I agree. This would probably all be our heart pick. So just for the sake of like, you know, talking about, um, you know, other people that, you know, we think had great performances in this category, what would be your like second place pick? If you, you know, if that was a thing, um, Evan, what do you think? Um, Steven Yun, uh, for Minari, I, I thought he was incredible and honestly, uh, have to raise my hand and admit I was a massive walking dead fan, um, growing up. So seeing his rise into like, this uh this esteemed oscar level actor has just been absolutely incredible to watch but um you know we talked a little bit about it with screenplay so much of what makes this movie is emotion and getting across emotion whether that's through dialogue or um uh you know interaction nonverbal interaction and he's just uh, a master at that the the pain he can carry in his eyes um the uh the commitment that he really has i don't know it's something Everyone gives great performances uh, all the time, for sure, um, or lots of people do. But sometimes it just feels like somebody actually becomes a character. And in this movie, it was hard for me to um, distinguish where Steven ended and where um, his character began and, and kind of vice versa. He just was so uh, enveloped. And it really helped to give the, the whole film a feeling of being just, you know, almost like a documentary rather than uh, like looking in at a, at a fictional family. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Chip, what about you? Same, Stephen Yen. Uh, Anthony Hopkins for me. I think that mm. any other, I think any other year um, he would take this award pretty easily. I mean, he only has one Academy Award. I think if this was a different 
uh, different year, I think he would get the award based off of like the Academy saying, Hey, we need to award him again. And also the strength of the performance. Um, I mean, it, it broke my heart for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, Chadwick's performance broke my heart, but this one broke it for different reasons to see him, uh, just have to confront, um, age. And, you know, obviously you, you can't help but think about what Anthony Hopkins himself is thinking when he's portraying this character, battling age, battling his, uh, his own mind and his memory. Um, it's, it's a bit of a physically challenging role as well, because he kind of has to like step into like, he has to like become a different character at different times and like different, find different emotional and mental states as he's talking to the people around him. Um, I, it, it, it left me weeping to be honest, um, especially at the end. So I think, uh, Anthony Hopkins is easily my choice for, for second place. Got it. My choice for second place, um, is also my biggest snub because I think it is bullshit that he wasn't nominated. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, it's Delroy Lindo for the five bloods. This was far and away my favorite performance of the year. I think in a year where, um, you know, we don't have you know, the unfortunate situation with, with Chadwick and he's going to get the recognition obviously that he deserves. I, I probably would have lost my mind that not only was he, you know, not recognized, but isn't going to win. I think this was an absolutely exceptional performance. Like, and speaking of, of snubs, we didn't even mention for best director, Spike not getting nominated um, for this is also a huge snub, but Spike understanding what he had with Delroy in this performance and giving him the floor and just letting him take control of the movie in so many of these important moments. I think it's an absolute disaster. It's absolute travesty. I think everyone at the Academy should be drawn and quartered uh, for not having him uh, nominated. So I was super disappointed. That would be my secondary pick um, is a person that's not even nominated. And it's yeah. I mean, that's you're 100 right. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen wasn't nominated either, was he? No, and he should have been. So he's well. another snub. But this that's for me, Mads Mikkelsen. I can under, I can understand, right? It's like who am I going to take out for Mads Mikkelsen? Maybe Riz Ahmed, but he had a great performance as well. So it's like, but I would take I would take Delroy Lindo's performance over pretty much anybody is except for Chadwick's. Yeah, no, this was this category was stacked as hell. Um, and sometimes it's the best uh, supporting categories that get more stacked than the best actor. But I mean, this one is some is some sluggers right here. Definitely. All right, guys. Um, so on. hold on, oh. I got to toss out one more snub, and now I'm actually looking back. I'm not sure. Maybe he should have gone in in best supporting actor, but I think Orion uh, Lee. It was one of the best performances I saw all year. I guess that would probably be supporting, right? Maybe I probably. should have put it in earlier. At least based I guess on, you know, based on what the Academy seems to think supporting means. Right. They might have both been supporting, um, actually, in that movie, now that I think about the way they've handled um, some of these other movies, he and, he and John Magaro. But I don't know. That movie is so quiet, so serene, that I think without two incredible performances at the middle of it, it couldn't be as amazing as it was. Um, and I mean, I had this at number two, I think chip, you did too, right? For a 2020 movie. Yep. List, Second favorite maybe? movie of last year. It's tough. I mean, it's like a 24 basically pushed all their chips in Aminari, which I get, I think that yeah. it was, you know, going to play to the Oscars a little bit better based on like what mm-hmm. the body seems to want. But I don't, I wish they would like 
I, you know, A24 has got some, they've got some draft capital, if we want to put it that way, you know, they've, they've got some stock. I wish they would kind of throw their weight around, you know, you've got a best picture winner. You can push more than one movie and more than one, uh, uh, shining accomplishment forward. And I just, right, I yeah. just didn't, and you know, I, th- this also fell stuff. victim. This is like a huge victim of COVID and like the true, time of very, year, very the time of year it yeah. came out, right? Like it's just been so long, but if this was part of that, I think if this was part of that, like, you know, late summer, early fall, uh, hey, we decided, you know, after long debate, we're going to put all this on, um, you know, for like rental online, you know, or streamer for like a little bit and then go to rental. I think it would have gotten a little bit more traction. True. So Very true. But yeah, like, like I said, I mean, I can't fault them for pushing all their chips on a Minari. What a spectacular film. All right. Um moving on uh to actress in a leading role uh these nominations are Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andre Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Uh my head pick here is Carrie Mulligan. I think they're going to uh they're going to award her um and this was a tough one for a heart pick in a movie that I, I find extremely problematic. I actually do really like Carrie Mulligan's performance. Um, and I think she probably is going to deserve to win, but I loved Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's black bottom. I mean, that movie is so much about the enigma of, of Ma Rainey like herself. And, uh, I, I love how she plays it. Um, and Viola Davis is just like, so spectacular. We, we talk about a talent that we're lucky to have, um, She's one of the best uh, working right now. So I think I'm going to go with with uh, Viola Davis for my heart pick. Uh, Chip, what about you? My head pick is also Carrie Mulligan. I'm sure she's already got a space on her uh, trophy case for this uh, award to go. Um, and she's good. I'll, I'll leave it at that. She is she does, is good in the role. Does get this that, feel, get that trophy. Does this feel like a year that there's more like locks, quote unquote, than ever? And could, like we be setting our, could we be setting ourselves up for some potential, like, surprise drama? I mean, I like drama. I think for sure, yes. I I mean, I don't know. I I think... I feel like I we're, think, we're considering too I many I think every locks. year everyone goes in thinking, like, six of them are locks. And it, it doesn't shape out to be that way. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe this year is different because there's been so much time spent thinking about these things and kind of uh cultivating these like ideas or, or where the academy is leaning but i don't know it's weird to me that everyone is so set in stone this year already got it um chip what's your heart pick uh viola davis um i don't have a lot of strong feelings on this category to be honest i think but i do think viola davis is very good and i would just love to see her get another statue i mean she is just so cool like one of the coolest Powerhouse. people in hollywood and mm-hmm. she's got a supporting uh, win so this would be her second and it would be in the lead and i just think it's like i don't know it's it's cool to see to see someone with that combo of a supporting trophy and a lead trophy and uh, i would very much love for viola davis to join that uh, very prestigious club love it um evan so do you agree with carrie mulligan um so i put down as for head and i know she doesn't have as much momentum but i i still put down francis mcdormand the early favorite um yeah and i there's just something about it just that role just feels very 
um, Oscar E in a way. Mm-hmm. Like there's a way that it's like she's doing a very traditional type of Hollywood portrayal of a character, but it's in a way that that's you know taking on um, kind of a new age issue and um, and is definitely trying to make a point uh, while it's doing it, which seems to just kind of match up a little bit with what the Oscars looks for sometimes. Like somebody in the traditional mold trying to um, make a sometimes safe, but definitely trying to make a point about a certain a certain um, you know type of hardship. So there's just something about it that felt very oscar e when i was watching it and i think it's very good um so that's head and then heart i was going back and forth um i had viola davis here originally as well but then i ended up moving off to andre day i i was absolutely blown away by andre day's um uh performance in united states versus billy holiday to be perfectly honest and i feel bad about it I, i've had to do some research i didn't know a ton about billy holiday uh or you know her circumstances that are portrayed in the film um and i'm not sure exactly how perfectly the film um uh is in accurately portraying what happened but the power that andre day had in this movie is undeniable um and the way she portrayed um billy holiday is just this like transcendent uh, presence was so notable both in the moments of pain that she felt as well as the um kind of moments of bliss that 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 were shown in the film and i just thought it was an incredibly powerful performance so whether or not um you know she has a chance at winning i i'm, I'm curious to know but i was just really um it kind of got me to see this movie and i'm really glad that i did because i just thought she was really amazing in it awesome uh, any snubs here? Um, it's like, I don't think there were that many. It's tough because there also just weren't that many movies in 2020 to pick from. So they, uh, just again, going off the top of my head, I've got nothing. Oh, I got one. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy in Emma. I, I'm not saying that mm. she necessarily absolutely had to be, uh, nominated, but I thought she was so good in uh, in that role and just elevated that movie. Um, and I honestly probably could have talked about that movie a, a couple times here, but but I held off because I know that's not the type of movie that it was it was aiming to be, and I understand that. Um, but her is there an argument? She's really is there an argument to be to be made that the Queen's Gambit like messed up her chances for because she was getting more attention for that. It, then yeah that's interesting Emma? i mean that definitely is the that. case that she got way more attention for the queen's gambit for sure i don't know if that that if the it canceled emma out or if just emma emma was another one that came out a little bit earlier um and kind of lost some steam going going through the summer and stuff last year but um it's just a really fun movie and she just has it gives a it gives a very fun um um graceful but goofy performance in it and it yeah. just fits the aesthetic so well you guys remember at the beginning of the pandemic when we were like oh so elizabeth olsen is gonna be nominated for best actress and, and win yeah for invisible man for invisible weird man time. weird yeah time. i mean and she's good in that movie don't get me wrong right but like man come a long way yeah yes yes we have um i actually think there was ended up being more really good movies than we were anticipating coming out uh, i agree especially with you know kind of pushing the deadline back for for them mm-hmm. for the oscars mm-hmm. yeah. some somebody else who we could have well i mean i don't know how far off the rails um 
we want to get ah it's all right don't it's all right. are you gonna say what I th- say what you're gonna say well i was gonna say palm springs could have gotten i remember when palm oh, springs okay. first came out I, I really thought it, it might compete for a couple of things and um as far as best original screenplay goes it, it's funny to call something an original screenplay that's that's kind of ripping off an idea that people have been doing <laughs> you know like every other year since like 1990 but um I don't know. It was. It felt very fresh. And what's it's Christine Milioti, right? I, I didn't want yeah. to say her name. Yeah, is is wonderful and outstanding. I remember at the time when I first saw it, I was like, she's gonna win, or like she's gonna compete for an Oscar in this kind of goofy movie. But um, it faded a little bit. Yeah, that was a fun movie. Um, I'm glad you didn't. I th- thought for a second you were gonna. Hillbilly Elegy. I thought I really thought I was like, oh, no, don't, do, don't do it. Amy Adams, well, hi, where are you at? Let's get when, Amy Adams yeah, involved. Well, when you said, when you said, how off the rails? I was like, oh no. Oh yeah, like, oh, that would really anyway, push this one over thank, the edge. Thank, thank goodness. Um, all right, guys, moving on to the crown jewel uh, of the evening, uh, and that is Best Picture. The nominees this year are uh, The Father, uh, and I'm not going to list all the producers. Um, thank you for all these for all these (laughs) thank you Uh, (laughs) the father judas and the black messiah mank minari nomad land promising young woman sound of metal and the trial of the chicago seven i want to do this one a little a little bit differently uh can we get like a 10 let's get a 10 second soundbite on what we think um of some of these movies let's start at the bottom trial of chicago seven chip give us the flicking and screaming soundbite uh gag me with a spoon Okay, good. I think we're on the on the same page there. Uh, Sound of Metal. Uh, you give I, this one, Jed. Yeah. Thought it was it was perfectly fine. Really nice, solid movie with a spectacular performance. Or as I meant, good tattoos. Um, good tattoos. Yeah, great tattoos. Uh, I think this will win in sound editing and should. And it should. Because mm. Yep. It's really that was probably the part of the movie that stood out the most for me. Um, but I don't know. I thought there was, you know, maybe something else that could have been, uh, nominated, uh, promising young woman, Evan. So, and I'm curious, I'm curious to hear what you guys think, because what I would say is, um, like perfectly entertaining. I, I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't read into it super deeply the first time that I watched it because I didn't really think we'd be, I didn't think this would be competing for like best picture and stuff like that. Um, so I just thought it was an entertaining film with like a fun performance in the middle and lots of funny cameos, um, and was definitely tackling a very, you know, brutal subject and had a couple brutal scenes, but that's kind of it. Um, and now it's like being elevated to possibly being considered like the best movie of the year. So I'm not exactly sure about that. I I agree. Evan. I viewed this as like a, I was like. Ooh, this is going to be kind of like a. I know it's like fun's not the right word to put up, like a fun revenge movie. You know, it like the the trailer to me had this like it almost like a similar vibe to like Atomic Blonde, like where it's like oh she's going to be, this, you know, this girl that goes out and like seeks revenge for you know, um, these women that have gone through these experiences. And obviously, it's a much more pointed story. And again, I didn't read into it as much the first time I saw it, and then the second time I saw it. Um, Chip, if you want to talk about you know some of the undertones that are very very apparent. Yeah, uh, this is uh 
Were you finished? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, yeah, please, please take it over because I don't know if I have the tact to like navigate what this movie is is pushing on the public and probably why it's gotten entered into the conversation, which is really sad. Right, and I don't have the tact either. I mean, I'll just be brief. Like, there's just uh, it, I wish this movie was that entertaining, and I wish because I enjoyed it up until like the the ending, and I just wish. They they handled the ending with a little bit more tact. Um, it's just it's it's got the industry push, and it's also like been trying like the the filmmakers and the producers and Carrie Mulligan have tried to push it as like being an important message to be told. Um, and that I mean that just makes the ending so much worse that they really seem to believe in the morals and the uh, the the thesis of the film. Um, just it's not really a coincidence that a movie that ends with kind of putting trust in the police to bring justice is getting this big of a push uh to get on my soapbox a little there was i mean again you're listening to me talk about it there is a really great article by a writer named aisha siddiqui um that i would encourage people to seek out i retweeted a couple times it's s-i-d-d-i-q-i i'll retweet it again for people to read and listen to someone who's not me talk about the uh some of the undertones of this film and how it's being promoted and kind of the danger of that. Uh, it could have, it, the potential for this movie is, is incredible and it, it, it hurts that this is what it is. Uh, it hurts a lot more people more than it hurts me. And I'll put it that way. Uh, I don't want to give any more time to it for my voice. Yeah, I agree. Also ruined new girl for me forever. Oh my God. Really hard. Really hard. Yeah. That unforgivable. Um, amongst all of the problems, um, all right, Nomadland, <laughs> uh, Chip. Another tricky one. Um, my experience with this is a little bit different than some people who've taken more issues to it, um, and I understand that. I still I enjoyed the film quite a bit. Um, reading more into it, things were pointed out to me that I was not fully aware of, and some of the connections with Amazon are tricky, uh, and the portrayal of what it's like to be a person who is struggling with, um, with poverty. And, you know, I've had experiences with, with poverty as well. And some of my own story. And it was tough because I saw a little bit of my own story reflected in these characters. And that made the film a little bit more, more special to me, but also there's some other issues with how the film was made and some of the way it treats its own characters who some of them are, are real people who live the nomad life. And um, it's, it's just really complicated. And I think it's something you should watch and do your own research into and come to your own conclusions. Listen to people who, uh, you know, have a good grasp on the, the the place of the film in society today and in our uh, socioeconomical times that we live in, um, this is this is a tricky one to to say the least. It's a very good non-answer to close out my little spiel on. Yeah. Uh, all right, Minari. Um, I think it's this is a gorgeous gorgeous film. I think this is one of my favorites of the year. I think it fully deserves um, to be, you know in this conversation um, really to be one of the front runners in my mind. Uh, I think it's just a beautiful story about family um, that anybody can relate to. And I can only imagine, um, you know, how much even more impactful um, this must be. Um, you know, if your family um, has gone through a similar situation or if you can identify um, a little bit more with these characters, cause it hit me and I'm seemingly on the opposite end of the spectrum as far as, uh, you know, from an American uh, life goes. So uh, absolutely, absolutely adored, uh, adored this movie. Uh, Evan, you get to talk about Mank. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is, I mean, Ahoy. this is taking on, <laughs> this is taking on 
what you know an inside hollywood story um and one of the most legendary inside hollywood stories that there possibly is the making of citizen kane a lot what you know many of uh of um I don't know. I didn't want to say us specifically because it's not us specifically, but lots of people like us will just say Citizen Kane is the best movie of all time just because that's kind of what they've heard. So taking on the making of that of that story seems like about as big a task as you could possibly um, undertake. And then David Fincher also made it in black and white with cigarette burns and tried to give it the entire feel of a movie that came out in the what the 1940s, I guess it would be right yeah 1940s um i don't know it's just told on a on a pretty grand scale and seems to get across the point that it's trying to make while also being um a lot more entertaining at least to me than than some people i think gave it credit for so yeah glad it's here yeah love love this movie chip Jewess and the black messiah uh really powerful um it's what i mean this is such a heart-wrenching and infuriating story to tell um and I think that the movie did a fair amount of justice to uh, to the life of, of Fred Hampton. Um, and I think it definitely encouraged people as well to not be satisfied with just watching the movie. I know a lot of people who really uh, th- this motivated them to be more uh, self-motivated to, to read and to study and to learn and to grow. Um, and it, it did as well as it could for being a Hollywood movie. I mean, it didn't fully dive into to, to Fred Hampton's politics, but it it gave me more than I was honestly expecting from a Hollywood film, um, and that that impressed me. And some of the best performances you'll see in any movie ever. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Evan, the father. Um, I mean, I I, I don't really want to tread back on on what we've said earlier. Chip, I think, gave a, a few great descriptions of this movie, but I think just intensely emotional. And this is something that even if you haven't been in this exact situation in your in your family or in your life, um, most people know somebody who has. And even if not, you can just relate to uh, to the um, the sadness and the weight that that a situation like this can bring upon, um, uh, you know, yourself, a parent, um, a, a parental figure and what that can do to uh to people and kind of having to um to grapple with that fact so that that's another this is another movie that just um i think probably didn't get enough recognition at the time of it coming out and i'm hoping more and more people find as it's nominated we didn't talk about that at the beginning but one of my favorite things about the oscars is it just gets people to watch certain movies some people kind of wait for nominations and then we'll watch movies that way and i'm hoping there's a lot of people who find the father through um through those means i will say i'm 100 percent one of those one of those people um you know like there are obviously a lot of movies that uh, on these this list that i i watched when they came out but the father is the perfect example of one that i hadn't heard too much about and then watched it and uh was completely devastated um and heart-wrenched by it um mm-hmm. so uh, all right, guys, we've touched on all of the nominations. What is our head and heart pick? Evan, kick us off. Head pick, heart pick. Head pick, I have Nomadland, and heart pick, I have Minari. Okay. Uh, Chip, what about you? Sorry, I just need to make sure. Another Was, was another round nominated for Best Picture? No, it was nominated for Best International. Oh my god. I didn't do my research right. I totally thought another round. I, I must have read 
best international feature and just skipped over the word international <laughs> because another round was my heart pick. I literally, oh. you know, I, it can be because I think it, it could be a snub. Yeah, it yeah, could be your is, snub heart snub. pick. Yes, perfect. You took Delroy Lindo, Delroy yeah. Lindo for your snub for best actor. I'm taking another round for my heart pick for best picture. Like, as a man who's trying to under like quote unquote man, I'm 24 years old. I'm like <laughs> trying to become. I'm trying to become a man, and this is a film about men who have no idea what it means to be a man, right? It's like the entire premise of like, hey, we our blood alcohol content needs to be at a certain height for us to like have our full potential or like we're born with a BAC that's too low. Like the implication there is that as a man, you are not enough as you are. And that is like horrifying to me and something that keeps me up at night. Like as I try to figure out my own identity, um, like just this glimpse into the male psyche and like community and friendship and vulnerability. Like there's a lot of, beauty and amidst kind of the filth of the drinking of this movie um and it affected me more more than i'd like to say as as a as a man trying to figure out my place in society and who i can be and who i should be and how i need to uh how i need to be around other people and to other people it's given me a lot to think about to be very honest and uh i like walking away from movie with with thinking uh my head pick is actually minari i think that has enough things trending right for it um, it's such a beautiful movie. Like, I think that it's so cool that we can get a good Midwest movie like this with characters that are real and complex and not, not stereotypical in any way from, from, uh, the, the family that's supposed to be Lee Isaac Chung's family, um, to the characters that they interact with. Like Arkansas is not a flyover state. You know, it is, we know the stereotypes, but this is not an uncommon story in a place like this in the middle of the world. This place in America is not just one thing. It contains multitudes, and this family contains multitudes as well. Um, and I think I think Minari has enough things going for it right now that it is going to take the uh, the best picture this year. I love it. Minari is my head and heart pick. This was my nice. favorite movie of the year. Um, I agree, Chip. I think, I hope, I pray that uh, it has enough going for it. Um, man, this is it's just such a beautiful movie. And... I'm a sucker for movies about family um, and when I can connect and I don't know and feel the joys and the and the sadness that comes with with being in a family. Uh, so absolutely absolutely adore Minari. Not to mention spectacular. Like Nomadland's going to get all the cinematography buzz, but mm-hmm. which is it's, it's gorgeous. But yeah, but it's sweeping vistas. It's you know, it yeah. should be go- it should be gorgeous. Minari is rural Arkansas. And is one of the most gorgeous. Not that rural Arkansas isn't, you know, gorgeous, but it doesn't. It's not as majestic as the vistas from Nomadland. Right. Um, shout out to all our Arkansas listeners. Yeah. <laughs> there there we, are we so love, many we, of them. We love you guys. Um, all right, guys. That was it for our Oscars preview part of the uh, podcast. Please tweet your picks at us because what we're going to do is we are going to remember forever who was right. We're going to take all of the head picks, uh, and then we are going to see how it went. Uh, Bragging we hear you, on the line. We want to hear your guys' picks, too. Head and heart. Give them all. And if there are any snubs that we that we missed, uh, please do. Because I think snub for best picture before we leave, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I think that was probably the biggest, like, you know, quote-unquote snub. Yeah. Uh, did you guys in your I also mind, have to throw think, out – oh, what was that? Sorry, Jed. Did you think that this deserved – to be uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was a snub? Like, in your mind, did you think it deserved to be in this conversation? I liked it more than Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah, there's a lot of things <laughs> I'd take over Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, yeah. But 
You know what I, movie? I would throw out. Sorry, go ahead. Evan. I have to throw out First Cow as well. Sorry, yeah, I, I didn't mean to cut I, you off, Jeff. I just I had it at number two, and after seeing more movies since we did that list, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, a few months ago now, I guess, um, I probably wouldn't have it at number two necessarily, but definitely still one of my six or seven favorite movies of of the entire year. I agree. I agree. Um, also, justice for Dick Johnson's dead. Justice for mm. Dick Johnson is dead, and I we can't go a podcast without saying it. But Tenet deserved more nominations. Like, Tenet what did the deserve fuck more. are we talking about? <laughs> so it got it got nominated for best production design and best visual effects. How did the it not get that screenplay? It, the fact that well, okay, it's not going to get screenplay. It <laughs> get screenplay. Come on, get the fuck out! Of here. I can't even. And I can't even abide scene. that temporal pincer movement. But he invented that, a milita- a, a futuristic military movement. The Oscars should love that. They should. They the Oscars just don't like Christopher Nolan, even though he loves them. Like like he loves the Oscars so much, and they will never love him back, and that's okay. But just the fact that so we got production design and visual effects nominations. The fact that it didn't get a soundtrack nomination is like one of the most laughable things I've ever heard. Because what Ludwig Göransson did with that soundtrack is one of the most batshit things I've heard from a a blockbuster in a while. And um, I mean, it's it's like it's it's, it's like Jesus. Was a was a soundtrack, it's which is the most the white his- boy thing I've ever said in my life. It's probably because the historically bad sound mixing that that movie had. But but it got it got. But I'm I'm convinced it wasn't even bad in their minds. Like he wrote this insane script, and the soundtrack was so good he prioritized it over the dialogue at times. I think that just speaks to how amazing the soundtrack was. Like it seemed intentional that he was yeah. doing it that way, and. There, there it are theories on the internet that he is like hard of hearing and just doesn't get, you know, because he, <laughs> I, you know, he's a guy who likes control. So he's in the editing booth. He's in the sound bay there. People think that he just like literally doesn't get does or he just hears different. His ears are wired different. Mm, that's fair. He's oh. like, well, I wouldn't have heard the dialogue anyways here. Yeah. So fucking pump up that. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. All right. All right, guys. Uh, All right. Excited for the Oscars. Please. Tweet at us at Flick and Scream. Follow us on Instagram at Flicking and Screaming. Uh, and join the conversation. Next week, we've got an exciting one. We're going to revisit a classic comedy, uh, Airplane. And we're going to no doubt regret it once we fire it up to rewatch it and realize how bad it has aged. But Chip's never seen it. Um, never seen so it. I'm, I, I'm excited. This is like one of my dad's all-time favorite movies, which I might regret saying as soon as we watch it again. Um, so. Well, now that you are now a dad, so you, it can be a dad favorite movie for you as well. That's exciting. Yeah. Ooh, that that's a good idea for a future episode is uh, what are going to be the dad movies of like our generation. That'll be that that's top true. five dad movies from our generation. What are we going to show ooh. our kids that? All right. Put that in your pocket. If anyone wants to see that episode, tweet us at flick and scream. Uh, but for the Oscars preview episode. Arguably one of the biggest episodes in the history of Flicking and Screaming. I've been Jeff Sprague, Evan Fagundis, JT Chipman. Good night, everybody, and let's go Oakland. See ya. See ya.